morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us. We are just a few days removed from the triumphant return of Monday Night Virtual. And as I talked to you this morning, we are just 58 days away from 80s Wrestling Con 4 when the superstars align over Morristown, New Jersey. I'm talking about the likes of Brett, the Hitman Hart. The Brooklyn Brawler, Demolition, The Powers of Pain, Nikita Koloff, and so many more superstars, including today's very special guest, WWF announcer Craig DeGeorge. Them and so many more will invade the Men in Sports Arena on Saturday, May the 6th. This is 80s Wrestling the Podcast. My name is Jumping Jane as always. I'm joined by the brains behind the whole operation, the man that makes it happen, Mr. 80s Wrestling himself, Tommy Fierro. Good morning, Tommy. What's going on, brother? What's up, Jumpin' Jay? What's up, 80s Wrestling Universe? How is everyone doing today? So, uh, yeah, it's uh, 58 days away, Jumpin' Jay. 58 days away. From 80s Wrestling Con 4, taking place, like you said, at the Menon Sports Arena. Morristown, New Jersey, tons of professional wrestlers from the greatest era in the history of professional wrestling, the 80s, will all join together to celebrate the history, the legacy, and the memories of 80s wrestling at 80s Wrestling Con 4, headlined by WWE Hall of Famer Brett the Hitman Hart. we got tons of guys. Uh, scheduled to appear there. Jay just named off some. And there's tons more. You can head over to 80swrestlingcon.com now. Check them all out. Again, 80swrestlingcon.com. The doors are going to open for 80s Wrestling Con right at 11 o'clock. And Bret Hart will be signing right at 11. And uh, some others will as well. And then the, the rest will come in around 12 o'clock. And then this will go through the afternoon till about 4 o'clock, and then we're going to do the Kids of 80s Wrestling question and answer and meet and greet session, which is going to be super cool. Uh, we had a, a few guests on the past, in the past month or two come on and, and, and talk about that, including uh, a couple of the kids that are going to be participating uh, in that. So we're going to be talking more about that in the upcoming weeks as well. And then right after uh, that, we're going right into – uh, ISPW Rock and Wrestling is going to start right after all the other festivities end. So it's one full-fledged day of wrestling action. And we're starting to show a little bit earlier this year so we can get out earlier. The show start at 6, probably be out by 9 o'clock or so. We're going to have some food trucks outside, Jumpin' Jay. We're going to have someone making some Quake Burgers. Got a couple of in Jersey. Them tremendously, tremendous Quake Burgers with all kinds of fixings and toppings on top. Uh, and then uh, I said the show at nighttime, man, is going to be super cool. Uh, headlined by tons of former WWE superstars, including Val Venus going one-on-one with Carlito. You're going to see Fandango going one-on-one with Eugene. The Powers of Pain, the Warlord, and the Barbarian are going to reunite and return to the ring and take on the now one of the hottest free agent tag teams in the business right now. The British Bulldog Jr., Davy Boy Smith Jr., 
Harry Smith will go one-on-one for the first time ever with Crowbar, who's absolutely tearing it up, Jay, in the Northeast Independence right now. Also, the big one for the ISPW heavyweight title, it will be Bull James defending the title against the King of Rock, Rick Recon. Both managers, Jay, Maven and Dave LaGreca, will be handcuffed together. Uh, so there's no outside interference. The special guest referee for this, the legendary Earl Hepner, who we just had on last week, he will be the referee for this match. And uh, they even do one more, Jay. We're going to have a outside-the-ring enforcer to ensure there is no outside interference, and that is New York Giant Super Bowl champion Jay Alford. So a lot of moving pieces in this ISPW heavyweight title match at 80s Wrestling Con. It's going to be an awesome show. We'll run down the complete lineup and all the other activities and happenings uh, for 80s Wrestling Con in the upcoming weeks. Like I said, it's like you're, if you've never been to 80s Wrestling Con, it's like a, you're literally like a kid walking into a, a you know, Christmas morning. So, like, everywhere you look, I mean, there's tables selling all kinds of wrestling merchandise, figures, posters, magazines, any anything wrestling-related, tons of wrestlers signing autographs, taking pictures. And the cool part is, Jay, and you know this because you've been to a couple of 80s wrestling cons in the past, a ton of different activities taking place throughout the uh, out the day. It's more of a fan fest uh, than an actual uh, autograph session. So we're going to have a pro wrestling, uh, 80s wrestling lifetime achievement award for the Macho Man Randy Savage. Like I just mentioned, the kids of 80s wrestling question and answer session. You can draw a picture with WWE Hall of Famer, Mr. USA, Tony Atlas. We're going to have 80s wrestling karaoke, pro wrestling Jeopardy. We're going to have 80s wrestling family feud. We're going to have an auction. We're going to have all kinds of cool stuff. Again, it all takes place on Saturday, May the 6th, the Menon Sports Arena, Morristown, New Jersey. Tickets are available now by heading over to 80swrestlingcon.com. Tommy, we are, we are well on the road to 80s Wrestling Con 4, and I just get more excited by the days. 58 days away, and it just keeps seem to be getting bigger and better. And you're right. You're like a kid in a candy store kid on Christmas morning. I cannot wait to walk in to the Men in Sports Arena and just take it all in. Last year was unbelievable, and I have a feeling this year is going to be even bigger and even better. But, yeah, I'm like a kid looking forward to Christmas morning, buddy. How are you doing on your side of things? Because, like you said, it's so many moving parts. Huge wrestling con during the day. Huge ISPW show at night. 58 days away. I'm counting down the time. You might be wishing you had a few more days in there. How are you feeling as the promoter (laughs) and the brains behind the whole thing? Hey, man, not only do I wish I had a couple more days in there, Jay, I wish I had a couple more months in there because – over the last few weeks, uh, we've gotten tons of inquiries about ISPW live events as well. Uh, anyone out there, I mean, I'm sure you know, listen to the podcast every week that I run ISPW, we do a lot of fundraiser events for schools, fire departments, police departments, uh, youth sports, whether it be football, baseball, basketball, uh, cheerleading you know, churches, anything nonprofit. Uh, so, you know, over the last month or so, you know, I've been sending out tons of inquiries about 
uh, doing fundraiser events in New Jersey, and a lot of people, a lot of people, Jay, are getting back to us. So our schedule right now is is crazy. Uh, we have currently uh, five shows booked in May. We have four, possibly five in June. Now, and, and, and on top of this, I'm trying to juggle all this and also the convention at the same time because, I mean, I have to do the – these shows are for May and June, so the work needs to be done right now as we speak. So I, last week or two, I've been working really hard on, on that stuff, and I got to like kind of like – I'm going to have to pull back from ISW for a little bit. Not pull back, but I mean, like I, I can't really – book any more events right now until I jump over to the 80s wrestling con side of things and, 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 and start, you know, working on that. And then, and then on top of that, I got the store as well. So, yeah, man, there's a lot going on. And I wish I had a lot more time, uh, like you said, but it is what it is, man, you know? Well, exactly. And, and I will tell you, you've, I know you heard this last year, but the day of the event with so many moving parts, you were as cool as a cucumber, man. You were just taking it in, enjoying it. It was like nothing uh, could fluster you, and so I'm sure it's going to be the same thing this year. Uh, 58 days away, I know you're gonna you're gonna knock it out of the park. Yeah, thank you, man. I I appreciate that. And and like <laughs> you said, cool as a cucumber. It's funny that you said that because I, I remember last year uh, at the convention, uh, tons of people were coming up. That I know. Hey, oh, the phone's ringing. Hey, bud. Hey, Craig. Craig, you there? Hello. We're connecting with WWF announcer Craig DeGeorge. Jay, you have him on. I think Jay might have got disconnected with him by accident. We're gonna he's gonna probably call him back right now. We're gonna get Craig DeGeorge on. WWF eighties announcer, a voice and figure from not only my childhood, but I'm sure your childhood as well. Uh, Craig does not – this is actually Craig DeGeorge's first convention appearance in the year 2023, uh, especially with conventions and, and, and fan fest. I mean, there's so many of them uh, throughout the United States over the last, you know, 15 years. So to, to, to get a, a first-time guest, uh, the first-time guest at a convention in 2023 is a really rare thing. But we got him. I've been working on getting him – for the last couple of years, I know you guys saw we had him last year. We did a virtual signing with him. It was on a Monday, so it was a little bit easier to get him up here. But after a couple of years, we got him locked in. And on Saturday, May 6th, he will be not only a part of 80s Wrestling Con, he will be the host of 80s Wrestling Con, Mr. Craig DeGeorge. Welcome to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. How are you, sir? Hey, good to be with you guys. It's awesome. Yes, I cleared out my schedule. On that Saturday in May, uh, hopefully I'll be recovered from uh, Cinco de Mayo, and it's going to be a big party on that Saturday, I'll tell you that. Absolutely, and, and this will be the first time that you got to see Brett the Hitman Hart in a, in, in a, in a while, is that correct? You know, when I saw him last, he was um, Nasty Boy set up a wrestling show at Marlins Park. Uh, after a Marlins game, they literally set up a ring uh, after hmm. the event. And uh, Brett was down there, and we actually did a little commentary. And um, Tom Kohler, one of our pitchers, I think it was A.J. Ramos, one of our relievers, major league relievers, they loved it. And they got involved. I think uh, uh, Goldberg came over to Kohler. Kohler did not want to hit him with the trash can, and Goldberg was making sure he not only hit him, but he really smacked him. 
<laughs> he said, it won't hurt. If, if you hit it in the right spot, you dent, you dent the can. It makes a lot of noise, but I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, it was great. <laughs> well, we're, we're excited to have you on the podcast today. We have uh, callers on hold right now looking to talk to you. I know a few of them are going to actually be at 80s Wrestling Con, so it would be interesting to hear uh, their uh, take on getting to meet you in person in just a few months. Jump and Jay, if you want to take over, we can start these calls up. Yeah, absolutely. The first caller we have on hold waiting to talk to Craig is longtime caller, big-time friend of the show, all the way from Chico, California, Babyface Brian. Good morning, sir. You are live with Craig DeGeorge. Good morning, Jumpin' Jay. Good morning, Tommy Fierro, and good morning, Craig DeGeorge. It's uh, great hey, to uh, you hear doing? you on the show. I'm doing wonderful. Hey, uh Got to ask you, um, you were there for right before WrestleMania three. Um it must have been mind blowing to be there for uh, what what we kind of know now and you know expected then was like the biggest event in wrestling history. Um, what was that like getting hired? Uh, did you talk to Vince McMahon uh, in person and get the job? Uh, what was it like coming in right at the the biggest time in the history of the business? couple of things first of all i nearly came from chico california because when you look for a tv job you look for these smaller markets and i remember is it an nbc station there's a station is chico's is, is a television market correct yeah they actually merged uh the uh nbc and the cbs several years ago where they show the same okay. news now but yeah okay. it's a uh, stomping it's a stomping well, ground for people to start their careers uh, for sure absolutely. and it's a nice little college I, I town remember First time I ever heard of Chico, there was a job. I think I sent a tape there. I didn't get the job. Ah, but I started in West oh. Virginia. But it was my start that led me to WWF because uh, we could get into this at another point. I'll just tell the, the story very quickly. Is Somebody I'd met at MSG Network where I interned went on to work for Vince McMahon. His name was Phil Harmon. And he's the one that got me. I was in the 143rd market doing the 6 and 11 sports. Uh, during the week, and then I, I jumped from there to, to all of a sudden into this crazy world, you're right, of the World Wrestling Federation, and the timing was just, you know, great for me because it was right before WrestleMania three. In fact, it was so soon, um, I wasn't even on that, that show. I was there, but I was not on the actual pay-per-view. As I recall, I did a highlight package for what was known as the George Michael Sports Machine, which was a national highlight show on NBC after the local news in, in all the markets. So I did get on in Chico. Yeah, I remember. Uh, and yeah, that's he what was I did. A, I did like a, yeah, he was great. He was a big wrestling fan too, George Michael. Loved wrestling. But, yeah, so that's why, so I did like a, as I recall, like a two and a half to three minute package of highlights from WrestleMania 3 that, that aired on the George Michael Sports Machine. But being there, uh, 93, was it 93, 179 guys? The, the 93, 379, something like 373, the crowd. You got it right the first time. Yep. Yeah. I believe it was 93, Uh, 179. That's what it was, yeah. And I was at the Silverdome, and I went. One thing I did the day before is I went all the way up to the top. And, boy, have you ever been at the beach and you notice an ant in the sand? You're like looking, and then you see an ant crawling? That's how big the ring looks. (laughs) I was up at the top, and I'm like, oh my God, this is far. Uh, so this is going to yeah. be something else. But the, the ring is, you know, it's not a football field. It's not a basketball. It's a ring. And it's tiny when you're in 93,000, but it didn't take away. It was a it was a monster event. The way that guys came in on the golf carts with the ring and, and, the, and the events beforehand and, and 
being new to it, I was there only a couple of months. It was uh, quite a quite a way to. But I, you know, I knew as soon as I got over there that just by the excitement, even in the local buildings that I was at before WrestleMania, that this was something special. That's so awesome. And then uh, just a couple quick baseball questions. Uh, you got to go, I want to say you started with the Marlins around 01. They ended up winning a World Series in 03. Um, what a charmed <laughs> life being able to be there for uh, you know WrestleMania 3 and be there for a World Series championship run by the team that you're working for. Yeah, well, I covered them for a local NBC station, as a matter of fact, in, in South Florida, Miami. So I was at all the games in 97 as well but I didn't get a ring for that because I was on the, the media side, the news media side. I joined the Marlins in 2002, uh, and then I, I, I was actually covered them even from 93, although I grew up in New York. I've been in Florida for a while. And, yes, uh, the next year they wound up winning the World Series, and I got a nice ring to show for it, which hard to believe is 20 years ago now. Wow. But, yeah, it was great. That is. Are you going to bring the uh, ring to WrestleCon and uh, compare it with Hall of Fame rings with the WWF guys? Uh, I'll have to ask the promoter. I, I don't want to stage anybody. <laughs> Brother, bring it, bring it, bring it. You got it's, my permission. It's a monster. It's a crazy ring, but maybe I'll bring it. It is something to show. It, I don't wear it much, to be honest with you, uh, but at special events or you know opening day or that kind of thing, it is, it is, uh, it is a piece that, that you know people like to see. What, one other quick baseball question. What are your uh, thoughts on the uh, the pitch clock and the uh, uh, trying to speed uh, up the game in baseball? Okay, I, I, I'm not a I, fan. But, uh, I know. Um, it's a great question for listeners who are not aware. Um, they've gone to a pitch clock. Uh, the game without a clock has got a clock now. Uh, 20 seconds for the pitcher to re- release the ball with a player on uh, base, I think it is. And, and the hitter's got to be engaged with the pitcher with, at the eight-second mark. Um, so in other words, if he's not looking at the pitcher, they'll call it automatic strike. A game has already ended in spring training on a three-two pitch where the batter did not engage with the pitcher. It's unbelievable. Hmm. Um, I hope it doesn't feel rushed. I think it's going to have. A, I, I, it's hard to get a gauge on it in spring training because spring training doesn't matter other than getting in shape. I I'll get back to me at WrestleCon because we'll be a month in and I'll see. I don't want the game to feel rushed. That's the, that's my concern. I'm with you, and I will talk to you about it there. Um, and I'm going to be there. I'm super excited. Uh, quick uh, question is, uh, who were your favorite people to travel with back in the uh, days of the WWF? I think you were there for at least a year and a half, two years, something like that. Who were the guys that you got to run around yep. with uh, and, and, and drive around with? Well, remember every three weeks we would do our television tapings back then. It was one show was called The Superstars of Wrestling. The other was called wrestling challenge and usually they shot superstars the first night and then in a city maybe an hour and a half two hours away they would shoot the second show and they would shoot three weeks of shows in one night so it was a a long night and then you have hogan in the dark match at the end of the night it was a four or five hour night practically just for the wrestling i mean 11 20 hogan's going on the on the uh into the ring and the crowd stuck around because that's the first look at hogan he was not on the televised matches hardly at all that, that would run on a Saturday afternoon. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so that's how it went. And I, so very often on that, in that second day, stay in a hotel in the city that you had the show in, let's say, uh, Paducah, Kentucky or something. And then the next day you would drive to St. Louis or some city two hours away, uh, Dayton, Ohio or whatever. And I would very often take, uh, Nikolai Volkov 
and luscious Johnny Valiant. <laughs> and uh, and drove those two guys, me and those two. And when we showed up in a little restaurant at 10.30 in the morning in some small town, a lot of heads were looking like, what is this group? Nikolai in his maroon suit with yellow stripes, you know, on a 10.30 in the morning. Just, luscious Johnny V with his blonde hair, bleach blonde, and then some sportscaster, small guy. It was a, you know, like, how are these three people possibly attached? <laughs> so... They were good guys, and it was a good group to work with. Very cool. I don't know if Tommy has told you yet or not, but um, Nikolai's son, I don't know if you know him, but uh, you'll get a chance to meet him. He's one of the kids of wrestling. He's also involved in wrestling, a manager. But uh, Nikolai Volkov's son is going to be at WrestleCon. So if you haven't met him yet, I'm sure Very that, happy uh, he would to love that. To, he'll love to oh, trade stories God. with you. Absolutely. Very happy to hear that. I'm so sad that a lot of these guys have passed. And I didn't get a chance to say goodbye or see them in, in, in a long, long time. I will tell you one story. I got a call, um, I don't know, about two years ago. I'd have to check the timing. Two, three years ago now, probably. It was a few months before he would pass away. Craig, hi. This is Jim Myers. Do you know who I am? I said, of course, George. How are you doing? And he called me. Uh, he lived, and unfortunately, I did not get to see him. He lived up on the southeast coast of uh, Florida. I think Melbourne area, and uh, we chatted for a while, and uh, I really wanted to go see him. In it. I would say this to all your listeners, Tommy and Jay, um, if you got somebody in your life, especially, uh, you know, maybe a little elder that you didn't get a chance to see, whether a famous wrestler or your aunt or grandmother, go see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, go see them. I'm sorry I didn't get to see George. He was a good man. Well, you have a hell of a George the Animal Steel impersonation. For a second, I thought that was him on the show, and I know he passed away, but that was a, that was a very good George Steele well, impersonation. I, have a, I have a great Marv Albert uh, impersonation as well, and it's always uh, great to be on the uh, show. Michael Jordan Boom, and the foul, and the bulls lead by sex. That's good. That's good. <laughs> very nice. And I know, I know I you get to Marv's work. I uh, got this. <laughs> nice. I know you get to work year-round. You do hockey as well. Um, do you, between the three sports, what was the most fun, uh, wrestling, baseball, or hockey? I, I love going to ball games. Like it's, you've had a dream career. But uh, what, what do you look uh, forward well, to most, baseball, they're hockey? All, look, they're all great in their own right. You mentioned the World Series. Nothing better than covering the World Series uh, game sevens and playoffs of hockey. But I've said this before. And I'll say it again. When when you're on a stage in a in a wrestling arena with with 19,000 in the building packed, and they can't wait to see Hulk Hogan, and that music, I'm a real American plays, and you're the guy holding the mic to bring them on. Even if you look, I'm setting them up right. It's not about the announcer, but I'm in the middle of it, right? I got a first first row seat, and to bring on Hulk Hogan, you know, in these buildings, and I I did it a lot. Uh, to interview him about whatever was going on. Uh, even if it was just one question to lead him into it, and he goes, and I don't even have a follow-up. Sometimes I didn't, sometimes I did That was as exciting <laughs> as anything. I'm serious. I yeah. mean, I've been in all these events. That was, you know, especially because in the World Series, you're at the game, but you're not in the middle of the game. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing the WWF, I, I was in the middle of the action. You know, and I did Notre Dame football for NBC. I did play-by-play, and that was as thrilling as it gets from a play-by-play standpoint for me. But bringing Hogan on, that's as good as it gets. 
Yeah, I got to go to one of those tapings. It was uh, November 16th, 1988 at uh, Sacramento. It was the first time uh, Hulk Hogan uh, got hands on Brother Love. I mean, awesome. Yeah, they've made everybody stay away from Brother Love until Hulk got to get him uh, before (laughs) everyone else. And uh, Hulk faced boss man that night. Finally going to hit your hands on that guy. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. But, yeah, that show was – a long night. My parents, uh, Arco I think Arena. they were. Is that the name of the Arco, Arco Arena? It sure is. You got it, it sure is. Yeah. Yeah. Long right. night. It was the last show we went to. But uh, thanks so much for being on the show. I really look forward to meeting you out at uh, 80s Wrestling Con. I'll let some other callers get on and talk with you. But uh, again, thanks so much for sharing with us and being a part of the biggest time in wrestling history, Craig. You got it. You got it. Thank you. Take All care. right. Thank you so much, Brian, for calling in and starting the conversation with WF announcer Craig DeGeorge. Uh, we're going to jump right into the next call. Guys, just waiting to get to connect with you and speak with you live. Next up is a guy who I met at last year's 80s Wrestling Con. I'm hoping I'll see him again, Danny from Butler, New Jersey. Good morning, Danny. You are live with Craig DeGeorge. Tommy, Jumpin' Jay, Craig, good morning. Uh, uh, Jumpin' Jay, you definitely, you know you're going to see me. You know you're going to see my son, uh, Lucas, also. And uh, you definitely... Uh, Looking forward to May. Uh, uh, Craig, uh, before I get into all my uh, your questions regarding the WWF, whatever you do, please, please do not bring that World Series ring because that's only going to bring back a whole lot of bad memories Oh, for me. he's a Yankee was, fan. Was, there, was, there was no <laughs> – you guys had no business winning that World Series. As much as I that, that irks me to this day, please don't bring that World Series ring. That's only, that's only uh, going to open up a lot of wounds too. for me. You, you know what I understand, and, and I'm going to call you Dangerous Danny since this is a wrestling show. Um, there you the, go. Um, apparently, I, I never got this confirmed, but I think it's true. You know, the Marlins' offices were on the second floor, and, and I guess Jeter's office was to the left. And I believe he asked the Marlins people to move the World Series trophy to another side so he didn't have to pass it every day. Uh, but I, I don't. I don't. I, think I, I don't doubt that. That's one. That's absolutely. I find I, there's, there's no way that's a lie. That's a, I. I believe that 100. percent Knowing the, the way that, that Derek. For, for those who don't recall, Marlins went at four two, unheralded team that would come through the wild card, beat the Giants in exciting fashion, uh, then move on, beat the Cubs, and unbelievable. They were they were down three one in the series, came back on a Bartman play and and then beat the Yankees in six. And by the way, because of the way sports goes, I was working the Panthers at the time the Marlins won the World Series, and we were in Atlanta taking on the Thrashers, and uh, we, we were just about ready to take off from Atlanta. I was watching some of the game while I was working, and the pilot came on and says, ladies and gentlemen, good news, the, the Marlins have won the World Series, and our plane took off. I was not at the game. I did go to a couple, but I was not at the final game. That that must have, that I'm sure that was a, a pretty uh, uh, awesome experience. Uh, to get back to your, for uh, us, yeah. you know the yes your WWF days. I definitely like I said those are I you know always enjoyed uh, you know your your you know reports you know from the pages of WWF magazine. Here's Craig <laughs> DeGeorge. You know you're going into Here's you know the you know, all of, you know all your vignettes, your interviews on the on the um on the stage. You know every I'm sure those were all like WWF superstars of wrestling tapings. Um, I, I, one of the one of the um the segments that I remember obviously you know around that time 87 to 88 when uh, Honky Tonk Man uh, won the title from Steamboat. 
Uh, you were, um, I know you were in the backstage, you know, with the, the celebration. Yes. One thing I'm just trying, I, one thing I want to, they're saying that, you know, obviously Honky won the title due to, you know, uh, Butch supposedly no showing, but in the in the celebration and in pictures, you had Butch Reed in the pictures. So was was he just late or was that another another taping from another location? I always wanted to know the answer to that. You're you're good. I don't I don't, the, the natural Butch Reed. So there was an issue with him what not showing up. I didn't remember that part. Was you're not saying they weren't making him the champion? What do you what do you was he late to the to the because it was a celebration as I recall of all the guys. Including, I think Savage was in there. Yes. eight or ten wrestlers, right? It was mayhem. Yeah, because it was. Yeah, cause they, uh, they, um, you know, from all from all the past interviews, they were saying that uh, obviously Steamboat needed to take time off. They didn't want to give it to him, so he he had to give up the belt, and they wanted to give it to Butch. But Butch, just, oh. you know, when if he didn't, he didn't want, you know, if he didn't have a ride to a certain show, he just wouldn't show up. That's what I know. I I, I heard it from Slick's mouth himself. So. And it, I just found it weird that he was, you know, he happened to be in the pictures. Like, you know, you go back into, you know, you go back to old WWF magazines, you go to some uh, sites, right. you see uh, Butch Reed in the, in the backstage uh, celebrating. So I don't know if they just decided, uh, you know, it was they did a audible in the last minute, but I just figured you probably would have uh, input on that. You know what's interesting is, uh, to be honest with you, Danny, I wasn't in on a lot of the stuff that went behind the scenes. Uh, although in the, in the meetings, like when we did Superstars of Wrestling, you know, sometime in the, let's say, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, we'd be around a, a long, and I mean long table. There were probably 40 people there. McMahon was at the end of one table, and I was somewhere in the middle, and we would basically go over the show, uh, you know, and McMahon would always use third person uh, talking about himself. Vince will do this, do that. Do not mention whatever you do. Do not mention the word dog nap with Matilda. We've got we got an issue from the ASPCA. Do not mention the word. I even got a letter, folks, a letter with the WF logo, which is always cool to get even at my house, even when I work for them. And I open it up. Dear Craig DeGeorge, do not mention the word dog nap in, in like, quotes and ASPCA and all this. Guess what? Like two minutes into the show, <laughs> Jesse Ventura, well, Matilda was dog nap, McMahon. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, you can't say it. I got a letter two weeks in advance. They, they, that's all they've been saying. Do not mention dog that. So, uh, so I knew what a little I'm, bit is what I'm saying, but I didn't know everything, uh, and, and I wasn't aware. I don't, at least I don't remember the, butch, the natural Butch Reed story that you're referring to. Okay. Um, how, long, how long did you uh, work at uh, MSG Network? Uh, just asking because I know, you know, a lot of, you know, I, I went to quite a few in my childhood, uh, the house shows at the Garden, and they would, uh, they would right. play those, uh, those house shows on MSG Network, uh, you know, every, I guess every after, within a month or so, I would get to be able to watch that on MSG. How long You're did you right. work at for um, MSG? Yeah, well, I, I had a, actually had an intern there, um, and I don't, but other than doing some events for them and doing some things, I never really worked full-time, but I had an intern there for a whole summer, and I met everybody. And then obviously did a lot of events there. But what you're referring to is something they don't do anymore, is once a month they would have a show at the Garden, and they would also have it uh, at, in Boston Garden and Philly, and it was locally televised. And it was live. Correct. And as yeah. I recall, those, those shows that you were watching there, you could watch in a replay, but they were aired live. And I would not do the commentary in the Garden because that was a big, big show, and they would have Gorilla usually, and sometimes Gene Oakland, or it could be 
Jesse Ventura, Lord Alfred Hayes, uh, uh, would do the commentary, Bobby Heenan, obviously. But I did work often on the shows in Boston once a month and Philly. And normally I would do either play-by-play or color. The guy in Philly was a guy named Dick Graham. He was a local FM DJ. Did not know anything about what was going on in the current World Wrestling Federation. He always had this line, don't you love it, fans? I mean, don't you love it? But he knew nothing. So I was there basically to bring the storylines, what's going on, not be your typical color analyst where I'm breaking down a, a suplex, but more of the storylines. And then I would do the interviews with the guys after the match and it aired on Prism, you're right, Danny, and Nesson up in uh, on the up in the Boston Garden, in yes. the Boston area. Great, great times. I know I'm I'm gonna let the, the other uh, all the callers uh, get you know, get a chance to speak to you. Um do you uh have find a chance yet? Do you still keep uh, keep in touch with? Uh, I remember you know guys like you, guys like uh, Kenny Resnick. Do you uh, keep in touch with any of those guys? You know, I never met Ken, although I took over for him after. I ne- actually never crossed paths with him, but I did, I have talked to oh, Sean okay, Mooney. So I went on his program. Yeah, I okay. did go on Sean Mooney's podcast, and I've kept in touch with Sean over the years a little bit. And I did have a um, you know in, in contact with Gene Oakland. Great mean Gene Oakland. And, uh, well, uh, and again, and I was telling this story earlier. Uh, you know, I talked to him a few times. I was in Brooklyn, and he was in Brooklyn. We, we, I was in New York. He was in Brooklyn. We almost met. Um, there were hockey games over there. My son plays. He lived over in Sarasota. And my uh, tremendous regret is, and it wasn't because of effort, because I really wanted to see. Do you know one of those things where we just, we were close, but we, we yeah, I'll see you next time, next month. Then, mm-hmm. And then he passed away. And I never got to see him. And he was so important to me. In my career and, and my time at WWF, I loved him, and I'm really mad, uh, sad that uh, he's gone. All right, well, uh, Greg, I definitely appreciate uh, your time. It was, you know, great memories. Uh, you know, definitely looking forward to uh, meeting you at the con. Like I said, please do not bring that World Series ring. But uh, Tommy <laughs> Jumping Day, always a pleasure. Uh, you guys uh, have a tremendous weekend. I'll let the rest of the callers uh, chime in. All right. Danny, thank you, guys. Danny, thank you so much, Danny. He's forcing me to bring it now. That's the bad thing about that call. <laughs> That's right. He's forcing you to bring it uh, and, and rub forcing. salt in the wound. That's right. Exactly. Uh, next caller, great guy. He's a firefighter from Long Island. His name is Brian. Firefighter Brian, good morning. You are live with Mr. Craig DeGeorge. Good morning, gentlemen. How's everything? How are you? Good morning. Great. Good I got to ask you, Brian, where are you from uh, on Long Island? I'm in Island Park. Island Park. I grew up in Huntington. Oh, very, very nice. Yeah, that's not too far. That's about uh, 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes away. I'm a, Island Park is in the south shore of Nassau County between Long Beach and Oceanside. Right, yeah. I used to play softball over in Oceanside often. I, I, Long Island is a great place to grow up. My parents moved out there from the city like many in their generation. And, yeah, it was really a good spot. And I wound up, actually, when I took the WWF job, I thought I was going to have to move to Stanford, Connecticut. And, and you know, I moved back with my mother uh, for a while. And, and um, I figured, all right, and I'll, I'll, I'll go to uh, Stanford and move up there. And I called up about two months into the job. And I'm like, yeah, just a question here. When do I have to come to Stanford? I, I didn't even know this. You'd think you would know that when you took the job, right? I, I assumed I had to go to Stanford. And they said, no, 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 no. You just need access to the airports. I said, you mean so I can stay on Long Island? So I had a great gig. I got to basically fly out of Islip 
or if it was more convenient, I'd go to LaGuardia. But basically, I lived home for a while, and all my friends were jealous because, you know, I'd work a few days a week and uh, and and had this great gig. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's awesome. And uh, let me let me let me just say, and I agree with you. Uh, uh, we love Long Island, and we we want to stay here. We just don't know if we can afford to with the way You're things are going. Get the heck right out there. of there. Oh, uh, but but we're we're ready to. You know, my wife's three sisters live in the Clearwater area. We're ready to right. to get down there. Do, do, do you miss New York? Listen, there's nothing like the vibe of a New York fan, whether it's wrestling, whether it's sports, the Mets, the Giants, the Rangers, yep. the Knicks, the Yanks. There's just you go to the deli, you get your iced tea and your sandwich, and somebody's, hey, how about the game? You just don't have that down here. You can't, you know, but I'm glad I grew up there. My dad was a huge New York sports fan. He was an NYPD cop. He was a detective. He was on the horses at the polo grounds for giant games. He was a horse patrolman in Central Park. That's my background. That's my fiber. I'm glad I grew up with that kind of background and and thirst for for sports and sports entertainment because my dad was a tremendous fan. And and I'll always miss that and miss my cousins and when I go up there. and, And, you know, it's great to go home. But I've lived in Florida for a long time for a reason. It's pretty cool down here because we got we got all the sports now. We didn't have that years ago. Uh, the problem is you don't have what you don't have though, Brian, is the sports passion for the fans because everybody like yourself is going to move down here and root for the Rangers, the Yankees, the right. and so not everybody's behind the home team, and that's that's a tough one to take. Yeah, yeah, and, and not to mention, Craig, you can't shovel sunshine. So uh, that's that, that's the that's the number one thing, you know. My mother, may she rest in peace. She lived in Florida the last uh, ten, eleven years. Of she missed New York like a rash. Okay, she, uh, she said. She said, if it wasn't for you, your brother, the grandchildren, I go up there for the family. If it wasn't for you guys, I could go the rest of my life without going to New York. Pizza, bagels, Chinese, I'll survive. But you guys, uh, you know, I, uh, that's why I still come up there. So, uh, yeah, you know, and, and yeah. I will say this. I will say this about Florida. Maybe you can uh, agree with uh, – you can uh, uh, yeah. uh, say something about this, Craig. But, uh, you know, um, it's uh, – I agree with you. New York, there's nothing like New York sports. Listen, the Chicago fans, the Philly fans, a lot of cities have some good sports or sports fans. Nothing like yes. New York, but I will say this about Florida. You know, when you go, and he and he's right, guys. Craig is right. You know, you if uh, my mother lived in Sarasota, which is in the Tampa market, same thing with my sisters-in-law. Right. I'll tell you, if it weren't for the Bucks logo on the Bud Light cases, you wouldn't know they play there. You know, it's uh, it's all it's mainly college and high school. Yeah. And, Very you know, big. the high school yeah. – Yep, college and high school, they get a lot of coverage. So when it comes to those two, they're big. But in terms of pro sports, yeah, not so much. And uh, before I get to wrestling, I, I just want to I just want to say, you know, uh, Dan from Butler brought up a good point. You know, Craig, you got balls coming up to New York because not only <laughs> with the uh, uh, previously mentioned Yankees, Marlins, which you guys were the better team. You guys were the better team. Uh, I'm a Mets fan, so I really don't care. But uh, right. and, then, and then, as a Mets fan, you know, you guys uh, knocked us out. Uh, 
finished the biggest choke in the history of baseball in 07. I was there. You know, there was, I know. There is a rivalry between uh, – kind of a rivalry between us. But, hey, Craig, you listen. As a Mets fan, you're welcome because the only time – you guys seem to be able to fill that stadium is what we're playing there. Oh. So, hey, Brian, Brian, you yeah, got to remember yeah. one thing. Craig sure. Minervini grew up in Huntington, Long Island. My dad was a, a Giants fan, and guess what? When the Giants left, he became a Mets fan. I am the oh, biggest yep. Mets fan ever when I was a kid. Now, not any longer, but, but boy, when you start talking about Bob Murphy, hi, everybody, this is Bob Murphy. Welcome to the Mets uh-huh. pregame show. Brought to you by Schaefer and Schaefer Light, premium taste and price right. I am a, I was a huge, <laughs> and the Mets yearbook is now on sale, 64 pages in full color. All the pictures are suitable for framing. It'll go great in your baseball library. Have this guy on more off. Oh, my God. This is the best guest you've ever had. This is the best guest you've ever had. And we, we can't end the trip down Mets. We can't end the trip down Mets memory lane without these two words: Kiner's Corner. So Kiner's, um, I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna throw one last one at you, Murph. So I, I I got to know Murph a little bit, the Mets longtime announcer, and he needed a ride back to the hotel one night. I was going the other direction. Of course, he was my childhood hero. So I'm like, the guy asked me, I said, "Of course, I'll take Murph." So I take him down. We go down across the bridge. First, he goes, do you know where you're going? I really didn't. I didn't know very much east to the uh, ocean. I, I lived on the other side. But it was Murph. I'm like, I had to tell him, yeah, I know where I'm going. So we're going down. We're driving down A1A here on the ocean. And, and he's like, and he's doing play-by-play of like, oh, bikini bottom. There's one for you. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to the hotel. Now, this is later in his career. He probably passed away about a year or two after this. He get, we get to the oh, hotel. He's going up to the front, and I had the window down. I said, Murph. He looked around. I said, I go, take it easy on the ladies tonight. And he says, oh, don't worry about me. And then he turned around back and looked at me. He goes, but I used to be pretty good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is my childhood hero. I got to drive him for 40 minutes and, you know, to his hotel, and it was, it was just I'll never forget that moment. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll I'll tell you, Craig, when uh, when Ralph kind of passed away, that was that was yeah. big because you know what, Craig, as a Mets fan growing up, the two things that always stayed consistent: everything changed, the stadium, the owner, the uniform, right. everything from literally day one of the Mets' existence. But Ralph Kiner and Bob Murphy, and uh, you yep. know, God bless them and Lindsey Nelson, wherever they are, and. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was a, a and just a yes or no question. Is Cliff Floyd, does Cliff Floyd still do the uh, the TV for you guys? He, no, he's doing the uh, white uh, the Cubs now. I just read some the oh, other day doing, he's doing Cubs. some Cubs games and and, and oh, MLB well, Network. Right. Yeah, and I'm sure you guys are happy about that with all the home runs he robbed off you. But uh, 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 okay. he was hey, he was he was a Marlin too. Don't forget. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He was a. That's right. In my heart, he'll always be left fielder for the '06 Mets. But uh, yeah, he was great. Absolutely. So let's talk some wrestling. It is a wrestling show. Yeah, really. Um, Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) What I wanted to ask you was, um, you know, it's crazy. You know, you weren't with the WWE for that long, and yet you had such an impact. Here we are. You went 35 years after you left. And, you know, you're appearing on shows and at conventions and all of that. You, and you did a lot in those two years. Um, I wanted to ask, 
who is the easiest guy to interview? And if you don't mind me asking, if you do, don't answer the hardest guy to interview. Mm. Uh, great question. I think, first of all, to, to the first point, it is amazing that uh, who I never thought when I left WWF that, you know, 35 years later, not only would I be doing interviews like this and on shows, but that the videos, the, the clips would be replayed on a network where it almost has a second life with a new generation. Yep. Uh, watching how, what I think was the, was the best time of, of, of wrestling was when I was there. It was changing, but it was still sort of family entertainment. It was funny. It was creative. It was uh, theatric. And, and obviously, it was incredibly athletic with the guys we had. So that was a, a great time. I think that was my fortune as I was there at a good time. And that's why it's remembered. You know, the announcers on big sporting events or big events are just bringing the message home. If, if it's not an exciting product, nobody remembers the announcer. Uh, you're just a, a small piece of it. You're bringing the action to the, the fan in one way or another. But because if the action is great, uh, then you remember you remember the people who were along the way. You know, unless it was a Bob Murphy, a guy you grew up with, you went to sleep with, listening to the game on radio, or those kind of guys, you know, iconic Vince uh, Foley. broadcasters. Vince Scully, uh, but yeah, so, because, because. Vin, yeah, Vince Scully, Bob Murphy, Harry Calizudo, and the Yankees. Yeah. There's a million of them in, in town. That's different. But for the, because those guys are, are with you your whole life. But when you remember events or sports or big-time stuff, if, if you were around a big event, you're just lucky to be kind of riding on, on the ship. And so that was it for me. For the, the interviews, the, listen, Brian, the interviews at wrestlers are simple compared to regular athletes because the wrestlers, it's part of their, it's such an important thing to be able to communicate and to be a personality. You know, most of the time you interview an athlete, you get 110%. You know, we just get to chip the pucks in deep, uh, you know, work hard in the fort check, uh, uh, you know, get the ground game going. It's boring. It puts you to sleep. Uh, the interview, a lot of guys, you know, don't even speak the language that well. They don't want to talk on camera. Wrestlers, you know, they have to talk on camera, and they're, <laughs> they understand it. You're trying to help them get over and they know that to, to get over, they've got to sell it. So it, it, they were easy interviews. Some were better than others. Who was better than Hulk Hogan? Randy's Macho Man Savage, probably the best ever. But Honky Talk Man was great, too. Or even when Jim the Anvil Nighthawk, because I never know what he was going to say to me, you know, or rip me or into shreds. You know, <laughs> he, he kind of scared me, to be honest with you. He was like, he, so, like he, he never broke character, ever, ever. You know, with that that nasty-looking beard thing that I thought he was going to poke my eye out with that that pointy part of the bottom, you know, or Andre wow. the Giant elbowing me. And it, yeah. So so they were, they were, but compared to athletes uh, that we normally interview, uh, they are the best. That That's very interesting answer. And I love when, uh, you know, you, you said some usual suspects, Hogan, Macho, but then Honky, the very underrated talker, Honky. And, uh, oh, he's great. Great. Jake Roberts. Uh, Jim How about Jake Roberts? Mm, Jake, Jake Roberts. Roberts. I just watched that documentary. That mm-hmm. documentary is incredible on him. Mm-hmm. That series that's going on. Absolutely. Mm. Oh, I love Jake. And, uh, yeah, it was a, uh, listen, it was a great uh, trip down memory lane talking to you. And uh, just uh, as I go, let me ask, uh, Tommy, you touched that Craig's going to be hosting 80s WrestleCon. Um so what do you mean? Tell us about that. How will he be hosting? And uh, at first, I think he'd be a great host for Jeopardy, in my opinion. Oh, that's my dream job, a game show. Go for it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You, 
you, you, you can host that if you want. We're, that's going to be one of the activities. But, but Craig, obviously, is, his voice is synonymous with our childhood. So he's the perfect guy to be the actual host, the MC for the day at 80s Wrestling Con. Also, he'll be signing autographs and taking pictures. So it'll be a super rare opportunity to meet uh, his first ever convention appearance, Craig DeGeorge. Brian, thank you so much again for calling in, and uh, we will see you and talk to you very soon, my friend. Well, Tommy, I'm planning on seeing you in a few hours. And, uh, guys, it was great talking to you. And uh, I will uh, talk to you, uh, Tommy, and uh, Jay next week, I hope. And, Craig, I will see you in May. Sounds good, Brian, and thank you for your service. Uh, Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And, of course, let's go Mets, right, Craig? Let's go Mets. (laughs) Back with a happy recap in just a moment. First, though, the The Mets. The happy recap. That's awesome. Have a good one, guys. God bless. Okay. You too. Hey, real, real quickly before we jump to the next caller, and then we're going to wrap it up with Craig after one more call. I have to make mention here talking about the Mets. Craig, I actually have I, – I run, as you know, I'm a promoter up here. I have my own promotion as well. It's called ISPW, and we're actually going to be having a show immediately following 80s Wrestling Con on May the 6th, which, by the way, if you bring that uh, – you bring up that um, – Ring, I think you'd be the biggest hill manager of the entire uh, business. <laughs> we, might have to, we might have to add you to the night show with, with this feedback we're getting here. But um, what I was going to say is that on uh, June the 2nd, we are going to actually have our show to be in Butler, New Jersey. So, White Gooden's going to be the guest GM for the night for ISPW. Oh so I just wanted to make mention of that real quick. Wow. That's great. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> hey, the, the, look, the 86 Mets for anybody who was around then. You know, they're probably the favorite team of anybody who grew up and doesn't remember 69 uh, if you're a Met fan. But, you know, became a Met fan, like 69 was almost too early for me, although I do sort of remember it. I got the baseball cards, but I didn't live it. I did. I remember 72. I've got my scrapbook still. But mm-hmm. the 86 Mets, and I was at my first job in West Virginia watching that whole thing, and I got to – I'll tell you a stupid story. I was in West Virginia. I hate to make this too much baseball because it's a wrestling show, but I was in West Virginia. The Mets would come to Pittsburgh. My dream was always to get on the field. I always looked at the sports guys at spring training, and you were freezing in New York. Like, oh, God, it would be great to be there one day and, or be on the field interviewing those guys. Wow, you can actually do that as a career. So the Mets come to Pittsburgh. Now, I'm in southern West Virginia. Do you think anybody gives two hoots? about the New York Mets in southern West Virginia. I mean, they're Reds fans, right? But when the Mets came to Pittsburgh, I convinced my, my news director to go. It's an important story, to go up and cover. So I got the, the news anchor, who I was dating, and we drove up in the news vehicle and covered Mets Pirates. And I got to do – and I did a whole story in the 86 Mets in the summer, probably June or July, you know, interviewing Davey Johnson and all these people, and aired it in West Virginia. People down there must have been saying – why do I give a crap about the New York Mets? <laughs> but that was for me. <laughs> well, we have one last caller waiting on hold, and he's from Toto, okay. New Jersey. So now I'm curious if he's a Mets fan, a Yankee fan, uh, or what's going on. But it is Toto or Tom. Tom, good morning, could sir. Could be a Phillies fan. You're alive with Craig DeGeorge. He could be a Phillies fan. Tom, fill us in. You're live with Craig DeGeorge. And Total is northern New Jersey, so I'm a Yankees fan. Oh, a Yankees fan. Okay. 
Right. So, Mr. DeGeorge, um, I, you know, I've been a big wrestling fan all my life, and also my background has been in sports broadcasting, and you're the first person I've ever had the pleasure of speaking to who I think crosses over into both industries. And, you know, I idolize you from the aspect that I wanted to do what you accomplished. I did dip my toe in the water at WEVD, 1050 AM, back in the 90s. Had an opportunity with the fan at one point. Um, sports broadcasting was my life in the beginning. Uh, I worked at Sports Phone, and I also was a wrestling oh, fan. Yeah. And, I, and I really wish really wish I could have had the opportunity to, to mix both together, but I made some sacrifices in my life. So what I'd like sure. to ask you now, if you could give me a, a quick synopsis of your journey uh, through college and all the jobs that you that you had an opportunity to work at, and also what sacrifices right. did you make to make it in this industry? Great stuff. First of all, was it nine seven six one three one three? Yes, sir. Was that the? Yes, I remember I called that for updates. Mets six, Phillies two, Dodgers five. If you can't get to Braves the game, six. get to the phone. Right. Nine seven six one three. Uh, listen, uh, I did some of those impersonations for you on this show here. When I was about eight or nine, my aunts and uncles would come over. My mother always, hey, and I would do my little shtick. So I always wanted to be a sportscaster. Um, and uh, and I would impersonate Marv and Bob Murphy and Tim Ryan and all these people and do my little thing. And one of the fun things I ever did was I uh, had Murphy on my pregame show, and I actually did the whole Mets yearbook now on sale shtick for him, right down to use the zip code 11368. And I said, remember that? He goes, yes, I do. And the yearbook isn't a dollar and a quarter anymore, Chris. <laughs> so, so I've lived out my dream to some degree. Now I have friends I went to college with that have made it even large, uh, way larger, Sean McDonough and Mike Tirico, uh, you know. So it, it, uh, it, I've had a good, good run down here and in, in wrestling and in the regular sports world. And, yes, sacrifice, you bet. My, my first job I got, uh, I moved to, first of all, I moved to the middle of nowhere in southern West Virginia for, you know, 12, 13 grand I think I was making. My friends who graduated college are probably making double or triple that coming out of school. And, and it takes a while to actually, you know, you wonder, can you make it in this, in this field? Because you've got to get to a decent city to actually earn, earn a living. Um, it's hard to make it in, in, a, in a bigger city because, uh, I mean, unless you get to a big city. Not that the money. The money was never my drive. Uh, of course you want to be successful. You want to do well. And as you get older, that becomes almost more important because things are so expensive. But it was the passion of doing the, the gig. And I kind of lucked into the WWF, but then if you would point out to somebody that when you look at what you do, I went to this internship at Madison Square Garden for no money. They paid my Long Island Railroad fare, which I understand nowadays is quite a lot of money than it was then. Uh, but that's all I got in terms of money back. But all the people I met was, you know, was you just couldn't do that. And you make an impression, and this is a good lesson for anybody, is you make an impression on people every day of your life. Sometimes you don't realize it. And I didn't realize I made an impression on one guy named Phil Harmon, who was the executive vice president of Madison Square Garden, who wound up working for Vince, which is the only reason I got the job. There's, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's hundreds of people they could have hired, maybe thousands. Why did I get the job? Because I somehow made an impression on him when I least I didn't even know. I wasn't even on the air at MSG Network. So um, so th- that was kind of a neat thing that you sort of get a payoff when you don't even realize it, just doing your, doing your gig, enthusiastic, coming to work every day. 
you know, trying to learn, help out somebody, uh, make somebody better. So that kind of was a fun thing. You do make sacrifices, moving all over the place. Um, you know, I was in, I was at WWF. They let me go after a couple of years. That was not easy. Uh, then I wound up going back to my brother's comedy club and working there until I got back into television and coming down to Florida and I never left, you know, and it's funny. Sometimes the best things that happen are being let go by somebody too. Um, I was doing, and just briefly, I'll just wrap this up, but I was doing the roller hockey series on ESPN and it was like 18 games a year. And I really liked it. It was in the NHL buildings and I was making as much money doing that as I was as my weekend job in West Palm beach. And the station came to me and said, you got to pick one or the other. You can't do both. And I picked it, even though it was only 18 a year, 18 gigs, that is, or 20 roller hockey games, I picked that, and I figured I'd pick up something else. And because of that, I wound up getting hired in Miami at a bigger station for more money, and then gradually moved over to the team. So things work out in weird ways in our lives. Sometimes the worst moment, it turns out to be the best. And, uh, truly, and no regrets. I truly admire anybody in this entertainment field because I, they need to understand that whether it's, uh, sports broadcasting or professional wrestling, there is no off season. You know, I used to remember working till two o'clock in the morning. You know, right. doing this weekend football. I remember I used to have to work Thanksgiving. I remember I used to have to work Christmas right. Eve. Sports does not take a. The end of the day, I actually did make a hard choice, and I said to myself, I, I kind of want to be around my children. I want to. I want to have children first. I want to get married. I want to have kids. I made a sacrifice, and I don't regret right. it. But at the same time, I look back and I say to myself. I admire what you did. I admire what everyone does in this industry. Tommy Fierro. Yep. You guys give up a lot because this industry, yep. you know, takes no holidays. So I just want to tip my hat to all of you in this industry. You know, I, I appreciate the form that I get to talk, you know, once a week on this because uh, it is in my blood. It's always been in my blood. And I thank you, and I can't wait to meet you at WrestleCon. Thank you. Thanks for those score updates, too. I appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. He's right about working weekends. You know, you you, you work you work nights, crazy hours. Uh, my ex-wife was a news anchor. We're still friendly, but she's a news anchor in Orlando, so we had a crazy schedule um, where we work. You know, you work hours that most people don't work. You know, you work you're on the air at eleven o'clock some some places. You're you're working as he said on holidays and but um, but but you 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 know it doesn't feel like work either. You're at a game. Uh, it's a pretty cool way to make a living. Agreed. Thank you very much. I look forward to seeing you at WrestleCon. Well, there you have it. A great episode today with a legendary name in professional wrestling, voice from my childhood, Mr. Craig DeGeorge, the host, the official host of the 2023 80s Wrestling Con, once again taking place on Saturday, May the 6th at the Menon Sports Arena, Morristown, New Jersey. The big question now uh, is not going to be what these guys look like 30 years, 35 years later, to be whether or not Craig DeGeorge will be bringing the, oh, uh, <laughs> the ring at 80s WrestleCon. Yeah, Craig, we're can looking I hire a security up there, guy? <laughs> can, I, can we get a, one of the, well, with these big wrestler types, they always had my back, so I feel like I'm in there good shape go. there. But, oh, boy. <laughs> Craig, you know, I'm going to send you, so you a picture. For and you us put, yeah, that's great. I'll send you a picture, and you can put it on the website there if you want, or, of the ring. <laughs> yeah, well, there'll be two lines. There'll be one line forming to take a picture with you and the ring. The other line will be getting right. inside the wrestling ring that will be set up. I know. At They're going to beat me up. Yeah, bring, yeah, oh, that's good. Bring the medics. Uh, irritate Yankee fans. 
<laughs> Greg, thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, we will see you in 58 days at 80s Wrestling. I look forward to it. It was really a pleasure to uh, to come on with you guys today, and especially to talk to the fans out there, because sometimes you don't realize uh, the impact that uh, that you may make on, on somebody, uh, right. even as a, a just the broadcaster guy, not the wrestler who's the star of the show. So thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Craig. Have a great day. Okay, you too. Bye. All right, thank you. Well, there you have it. Another great episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast today on the road to 80s Wrestling Con again on Saturday, May the 6th, the Morristown, New Jersey's famous Men in Sports Arena, home to WWF Wrestling in the late 80s, early 90s, now home to 80s Wrestling Con and ISPW. Jumping Jay, speaking of ISPW, this Saturday night we have a show at Westwood Regional High School in the township of Washington, New Jersey, 7 p.m. start. Doors open at 5.30 p.m. Again, Westwood Regional High School. It's a fundraiser for the Westwood softball team. The main event will be ECW legend Tommy Dreamer going one-on-one with the King of Rock, Rick Recon, with the host, of Busted Open Radio, Dave LaGreca in his corner. The special guest referee for this match will be the superstar, Danny Morrison. Hopefully Danny calls it right down the middle this Saturday night at Westwood High School. And the other big match, uh, Jumpin' Jay, uh, first time ever in ISW, it will be Probar going one-on-one with Offa Jr., 60 years experience. In this match, and I promise it's going to be a hard-hitting battle with two uh, big-time uh, veterans in this area. So, again, anyone out there that's looking to come out to ISPW this Saturday night, you can head over to ISPWWrestling.com for more information. And, uh, Jumpin' Jay, I hope that uh, you have a great weekend. What do you have planned this weekend? Well, in St. Cloud, Minnesota, where I where I live, it is spring break, and so the schools have been out all week, and so uh, thankfully, a couple of uh, people have been trickling into my business, and so I'll probably be hard at work this weekend helping other people enjoy their spring break, but there'd be nothing I'd rather be doing. Hey, man, I'll, I got to come down there and enjoy spring break, because uh, I know you will roll out the red carpet <laughs> for me if I come down there, because I know... You are the richest man in your county that's, in Minnesota. That's not even so, close to being I, true. But, I mean, when you think of spring break, what else comes to mind than the middle of Minnesota where we got four feet of snow and it's below zero? That sounds like a fantastic absolutely. getaway. <laughs> absolutely. It sounds like it sounds like a perfect place to have the Bolsheviks main event a wrestling show. Maybe if there were still a lot, uh, if uh, Nikolai got rest of soul, uh, was still alive, you could have did a autograph. I could have put an autograph session with the Bolsheviks at your establishment there. I think that would have went over very, very well, actually. Listen, you you make jokes, but that would probably have been the biggest day of business we'd ever see. Lines out the door, around the block, and down the street to see the main event, Bolsheviks live and in person. <laughs> hey, uh, and real quickly before we go, this Saturday, like I said, the ISW show, I forgot to make mention that. Former WWF Intercontinental Champion Ahmed Johnson will make a super rare appearance at this Saturday night's ISPW show. He'll be signing autographs and taking pictures along with WCW star Ernest the Cat Miller 
and former AEW Women's Champion Nyla Rose. The stars are coming out this Saturday night for ISPW at Westwood Regional High School. Again, head over to ISPWWrestling.com. Jump in, Jay. I hope you have a great weekend. Hope everyone at home has a great weekend. Thank you so much for everyone that tuned in on this past Monday night's Monday Night Virtual. And we'll be back here next week with another guest on the road to 80s Wrestling Con on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.